Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Hey, waka waka. <laughs> I think you got to drop the fozzy. Either, okay. You either, either got to go Bullwinkle or, you know, uh, <laughs> I think you should do Bullwinkle saying greetings, greetings. Go ahead. Um, let's see. No, I can't, can't think of the voice. Um, Bullwinkle couldn't do greetings, greetings? I don't think he can, I don't think he can wrap his muzzle around it. <laughs> greetings, greetings. There yeah. you go. You're getting close. You work on it. I think that. I think that's okay. the key right there. I'll, I'll practice on the kids. How about Fozzie doing greeting screens? Um. Hmm. <laughs> Limited vocabulary. Yeah. yeah. I can only yeah. can only impersonate with certain words. <laughs> yeah. Kind of wrapping your head around it. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I got my energy back up. This is because we're actually doing three shows in a row here in order to uh, delve. You know, I'm going to be on a road trip. Or, you know, a friend came NHC's in from out of town. Yeah, I mean, we SoCal Fest. We're having to we're having to deal with a lot of uh, other events that are keeping us from doing shows. So we got to do like three shows in a row. I I didn't drink any beer like the whole show, and I've, I've been drinking this Monster Energy drink. Oh man. You know, sipping on this thing, going, "Oh, this will keep me awake." I was falling asleep. I, you know, I, <laughs> and and now uh, Jay poured me his uh, uh, his uh, Mirapon clone, mm. which I must say is a very well brewed beer. That Thank you. there there is no fermentation problem with this whatsoever. This is a, a really you know, or you know, work production or anything. This is excellent. This is really well done. I, we're questioning whether the bittering is correct for Mirror Pond. Um, but as a beer itself, I mean, it's really good. It's really drinkable. All right. Thank That's you. excellent Sounds beer. good. It's, uh, you, the, it's the first time I use the Mr. Malty pitching rate calculator, for one. I will, I'll admit to that. There you go. See? Uh, Problem solved. <laughs> so I had a nice uh, two-liter starter for this. and really um, What else did I do differently? I don't know. I paid attention, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's like perfectly produced. All I mean, right, it could be the Blickman Auto Sparger on your system. They could have been that. <laughs> could have been that. Oh, I also used the Therminator to uh, to uh-huh. chill it. There you go. And I'll tell you, now we've had chilling problems uh, uh, forever around here. Our water comes out pretty warm, and uh, we can't get get below eighty. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we were letting the beer sit overnight, uh, which yeah. is what happened with my last clone. And, oh yeah, and you get a little contamination. I mean, you right? Know, it it just takes a couple of specks of dust to 
Let's start things off. And it because w- it was us weighing, okay, pitch at temperature mm-hmm. or pitch warm, and we weighed the. Right. And anyway, so this time, oh no, man, that Terminator, yep. uh, we got down below seven. I think we got to 68. There you go. So, and I wanted to pitch at sixty six, so I just cranked up the um, um, the conical. It got it down to sixty six in a couple more hours. Uh, you know, pitch that. Now that I got my new Blickman uh, top tier system. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to use the uh, his his hop stopper. Yeah, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to ask him for a Terminator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then I'm gonna I'm gonna pump. The, the word out of there through the, the Therminator and Hopstopper through the Therminator and back into the kettle. I'm going to do my Whirlpool thingy. Talk to Chad. Using the Therminator. Did, did you guys try it? I don't know if he did it, but he said he was going to try it. Yeah. He wanted to do the same thing. He right, wanted right. to keep your Whirlpool. Right. Right. I like the Whirlpool. Yeah. But, uh, you, know, I, you know, I think, you know, you, you, could, you can trap a lot of uh, air, hop aromatics that way. Right. But uh, I like the idea of the Terminator, and the, you know the uh, you know being able to that hop stopper thing is supposed to stop like you know masses of hops. Right, right. So uh, that's one of the uh-huh. new new things he's invented. The guy's always yeah. thinking. Hop, yeah, hop yeah, always thinking. Yeah. So and we got to try that too. We have that, and I was able to tran- uh, really from the time that the wort chilled mm-hmm. to the t- to your glass, it's mm-hmm. been a closed system entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, there's there's not a single spoilage organism in this thing that I I don't detect anything off in any all way. Right. Well, all right. I think this is, I think this is the best beer you've ever brewed. That's possible. Thank you. Really I'm do. happy it's, with it's, it. I I'm just know. not happy with the bitterness. I uh, wish it was well, a little maltier. You were targeting something else, but yeah. you know, as a beer itself, I really like this. I could drink 5 gallons of this. Okay. I really could. Well, let's get started. And I think, you know, Tasty or Doc or, you know, anybody else Chad or anybody else yeah, that's been you know Moraz, you know uh, a lot of good brewers. They'd all be very proud of of putting this out. Okay, well you know what, I will bring it down to the SoCal Homebrew Festival then, and it will be. Woo! I think it will only be the second beer I've ever made that I shared. So how about that? We'll do that. It's really good. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's really well brewed. That's that's that would uh, that would do well in competition too. Chad wanted me to enter it, uh, yeah. but I, I wouldn't have been carved. I would have had to really rush it, and yeah. Uh, he well, just me make sure it. you save some for the show. The game yeah, show. yeah. I'll bring a whole keg. I'll Don't save. do a tasty thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's still some left in the keg. There's enough for the show. I'm like, no, oh, take it offline. Take it <laughs> offline. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, a few more pints won't hurt. I'll save it. Giving away a BNA four. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> Ah, that tasty and his generosity. What the hell's the matter with that boy? Big pain in the ass. <laughs> Giving away beer. What's the matter with him? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, so we, we were we, I, we mentioned uh, Blickman, and uh, uh, Blickman's our sponsor for the show. Uh, www.blickmanengineering.com. That's Blickman with two N's. And engineering with, I don't know, how many N's are in engineering? <laughs> A couple. Yeah. Thank you, John. A couple. And uh, (laughs) spoken like a true engineer. Yeah. (laughs) He's got a precise number for it. Yeah. (laughs) 2.75. You know, go by the website. Check it out. Uh, Lots of great products. And the the cool thing about them is they're always coming out with new products. That guy is always thinking, uh, you know, I ran into him. You know, I I knew uh, John Blickman... uh, you know, a little bit ran in with various things, but where it really uh, 
came to where we got to hang out a bunch was at uh, Northern Brewer in Milwaukee at the Grand Opening Store. Went out there, hung out with him a bunch. Really liked the guy. Oh, yeah. He's fun. He's a lot of fun. He's a real, really interesting, uh, you know, thoughtful guy and uh, a lot of fun. You'll see. Come to NHC and hang out with John, and uh, he's he's a fun guy. Good guy. Well, and he's also, you know, very... Geeks like us. Well, I think he's very polite. He's very, uh, you know, professional, uh, you know, and he'll... You know, if you have that kind of relationship with him, that's how it'll be. You know? Right. He's, he's, you know, he's a professional type of person. But then you but can tell uh, him a good dick joke, too. Right. And he'll, <laughs> he won't be offended. Yeah. He'll, he'll have fun with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's great. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that he's he's uh, sponsoring the show. So if you enjoy it, too, if you appreciate the fact that uh, John Blickman's paying for the show so you don't have to, uh, you know, uh, send him an email. It's the least you could do. You know, how how much does it take you to type up an email and send it to them? Say, hey, thank you. I really appreciate it. Go check out their products at the store. If you if you like something, buy it. If you don't, don't buy it. But uh, I don't think that's exactly why he's doing it. I think he's trying to, you know, help support something that he figures is uh, good for the community. So yeah. he's, he's all about that. Very cool. All right. This is our Q&A show. We like to... Uh, Every once in a while, do a uh, a show where we answer just any question from uh, from the listeners, and uh, there's a bunch. So let's let's just get cracking. Okay, uh, yeah, and you can join the chat. Just hit the chat now button if you're listening at home, and uh, you can get question uh, questions through uh, live and during the show. We don't take calls. I don't have a call screener, but uh, you just type them in. I'll, I'll get it asked. All right, first question comes from Colin. And uh, he's got a question about whirlpooling for you guys. He hears mm-hmm. all the time that it's a great way to, you know, clump the post-boil solids in the kettle. Right. But uh, what he can't seem to find is um, a good method to create the whirlpool. Mm-hmm. So what are different ways to create a whirlpool in our homebrew setup? Well, I started messing with this early on. Um, and also, uh, the more beer guys were trying... Um, uh, put a tangential uh, port on their kettles. You would pump the wort back in, and it, you know, like a professional system. And they they're like, "Wow, it takes a really big pump to get <laughs> to, to make it work." So they tried it, and they're like, "Oh, you really, you know, the cost of the pump, people aren't going to want to do it." So they they kind of backed off on that. So I was really interested in that, and uh, you know, I was having trouble cooling. Hmm. And I was using an immersion chiller, and what I decided was, okay, I will, uh, you know, I'll rock the keg around because if you if you move if you get things moving, if you shake the chiller or you know, uh, you can you can actually uh, if you're willing to screw around with a uh, ten gallons of boiling liquid, <laughs> yeah. you can you can actually you know tilt the pot back and forth and get it get a whirlpool going. Uh, every once in a while, I slosh some boiling liquid on my arms. And so I thought, nah, it's messy, not the way to do it. So I went to uh, the Whirlpool chiller thing where I take word out, uh, you know, from the valve out through a pump, and then I pump it back in through a like a little J-shaped piece of uh, copper tubing. That works quite well. You can actually get a pretty decent Whirlpool going. The other thing you can do is take the lid off, which I don't recommend, mm. and stir it with a spoon. Now, if it's boiling hot yeah. and you want to go ahead and stir it, you know, before it's chilled down, yeah, you can go ahead and and you can build up a whirlpool that way. Take the spoon out, put the lid back on, and the whirlpool will will cause things to go. All right, maybe we should talk about um, the whole purpose of the whirlpool and how the whirlpool works. I think a lot of people feel that 
if they don't see like a vortex of death in the center of the liquid, <laughs> that a whirlpool is not working. You don't need that. Really, the way a whirlpool works is the speed of the, the liquid around the outside of the pot is much faster than the speed of the liquid in the center of the pot. Speed, the liquid in the center of the pot is barely moving. The further out towards the edges you get, the faster that liquid is moving if you start swirling it in a circle. As long as the speed at the, at the outer sides of the, uh, the liquid are fast enough to keep the particles in suspension and from just dropping straight down to the bottom, which is almost any speed, believe it, you know, because the, the, the particles are fairly light in the brewery, um, then what will happen is the particles will migrate to the slower-moving wort. They'll get to the center where they will drop straight down because that wort's not moving in the, the exact middle of the, the wort. That's what how the whirlpool works. Okay. And there's a much more scientific way, and John probably has the the formulas to, <laughs> to, to do this. But that's essentially what happens. So you really just need to get it moving. There's no vortex in the middle. I, you know, I think yeah. you know a little bit faster may help, but it can be pretty darn slow. It doesn't have to be anything really dramatic. Yeah. And that I was going to say to get to get technical, use a spoon. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean. Just yeah, just get get the you know stir in a consist at a consistent speed around the outside of the pot you know, and get the get all the work moving you know same speed. Don't don't stir back and forth. You want to keep stirring in a circle, and get get all the work moving in a in a nice steady circle, and you are whirlpooling. You don't need the vortex. It doesn't need to be super fast. It just needs to be all moving, and. You're going to need to do it for you know a couple minutes um, to get everything to settle out in the center, but it's it's not like it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's stirring to decoction or anything. It's just a matter of getting all the work moving and giving it some time to all set, settle down in the center. Well, and, and be careful. Some of you guys are, I know might be using like those camp chef burners and things like that. I've had right, those things. Right. If you don't have your pot on Big a steady, like a, so, yeah, like a Blickman top tier, yeah, yeah, oh, right. exactly. Um, then, ju- I mean, I just want to put it out there. I know it's obvious, right. but be careful because I've seen, that I've had some hot and dangerous. Yeah, liquid transfers heat so rapidly. Yeah. to to flesh. Yeah, you got to be really careful. Right. And then, if I could just reiterate because the spoon method, just do it hot. Like so, right at flame out. Right, uh, mm-hmm. Jamil, that's when I could do it. I can I, at flame out. Um, I can go in there and I can stir it up for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And then put the lid on, and then do my chilling after right. the fact. Right? Look at Justin; he's jumping right in with the the uh, yeah. the appropriate advice here. Maybe I got the basics like, down. That's why. I think making <laughs> making a really good beer is like uh, giving him uh, giving him wings. Yeah, how about yeah, he's that? Flying now, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, and he's going to have to come in come up with his own greeting. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know if I could do that, Palmer. <laughs> greeting schmooze. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and then a follow-up question. How long um, do we let this whirlpool go for to, to get the desired effect? <laughs> Good question. Mm, three, uh, 3.4 to <laughs> 7. 10, 10 to the... Yeah. Well, the good thing about Jamil's um, chiller slash whirlpool setup mm-hmm. that you can get at more beer is when I'm done chilling is when I'm done whirlpooling. Right, right, right. So I just go until the beer is at the, at the desired temp, right? It's right. kind of a no-brainer. It's going to whirlpool the whole time. 
Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, uh, you know, generally, you know, the, the, the bigger brewers, they'll do, you know, like a 30-minute whirlpool, things like that. Um, you know, <clears throat> let experience be your guide. You know, uh, if you have a reason to do less, then, uh, you know, see if that works for you. If you, if you can, you know, if that doesn't work, uh, you know, make it a little longer. But generally, you know, half an hour will, will definitely do it. Uh, uh, you know, 15 minutes may be plenty. It depends on how clear you need the work. Now, one thing that happens is that pile starts to form in the middle, but it's not going to stack up like a column of, uh, you know, Legos. You, you know, it's going to form out into a pile in the, in the center. And um, so you will have some material out, you know, th- that travels out to the sides a little bit. When you start to run your your wort off from the kettle, uh, run it off slowly. You don't want to disturb that pile and suck you know the top of the pile off into your into you know what you run out. If you run it off slowly, generally the you know the the pile will settle and you'll get a you know a nice clean runoff. The other thing about whirlpool is a lot of people um, believe that you know their their assumption is oh you run it out while the whirlpool is going. Hmm. No 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 no. You run the whirlpool and, you know, let all the stuff settle. You can turn off the whirlpool, let everything settle and solidify on the bottom, and then run your word out. So what I do is I run the whirlpool, yeah. and, you know, there's stuff, you know, near in the in the column that was traveling to the center. Let it settle for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, and then run your word out. And you shouldn't have any problems. If you run off slowly, you should be able to, you know, kind of monitor. If you go really fast, you'll pull the, that, that junk out. If you go slow, you should run you know, brilliantly clear wort out. Okay. Honestly, when I'm stirring in, in a converted keg or in one of the, the boilermaker pots, I'm only stirring for four minutes, five minutes, and that does the job, you know, for most of it. You, you know, get mm-hmm. the get the wort moving for that amount of time, and then, you know, clo- put the lid on, let it just slow down and settle, and uh, you can you can slowly pour off clear wort after that. Um I I don't think you need to go. You know, you don't need to be stirring for fifteen or thirty minutes. Um, let it settle for fifteen minutes, but uh, you don't need to agitate the wort that long. We're not we're not we're not talking about you know fifty gallons of wort. We're talking about five or ten. Well, and I, I suppose it depends also on the width of your uh, your kettle. You know, the the broader yeah. your kettle, the you know the more distance the bits have to travel to the center. Right. Right. So that would be one thing as well. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, those little particles, you know, it's whirling fast, and they tend to just shear off into the slower lanes. And, you know, that's where it's, uh, they want to they want to settle. So that's that's how it works. All right, next question. Okay, yeah, let's get in one more before the break. Um, yep. Listener in the chat room, right now, I'm fermenting a Hefeweizen right now. Um, and this will be my first time kegging. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, should I do a secondary? I'm confused as to the yeast and keeping this style of beer cloudy. Uh, generally, never do a secondary. Um, Even with other styles, you're saying? Right, right. Oh. Unless you're, you know, you've got some reason to keep it in the fermenter at fermentation temperature for a long time. Um, then, you know, then or, you know, you want to separate out for, you know, uh, fruit or something like that. Then then fine. But generally, you don't. Um you know the the wheat 
beer should ferment fairly if you've pitched a healthy correct amount of yeast it should ferment fairly fast it should be ready to go you know within a week 10 days or so when it's done completely fermenting just go ahead and transfer it to a keg okay yeah and, and yeah go. no secondary for half all right okay all right well let's take a short break i'll go get another beer and uh, we'll be right back Right. Brew smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong. Cutting edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Calling all homebrewers. Entries for the Samuel Adams Longshot American Homebrew Contest are due May 17th through May 28th. There's still time to get your beers entered. This year, the homebrew contest is all about Category 23, specialty beers. So start being creative and brew up a beer that doesn't fit into any of the traditional BJCP-style categories. Let your creative juices flow and enter your Category 23 homebrew. Here's your chance to have your beer brewed, packaged, and nationally distributed in the 2011 Longshot Package. And four finalists will be awarded a trip to the 2010 Great American Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado, where Samuel Adams will announce the winners. Visit SamuelAdams.com for all the details. Get your bottles in by May 28th, and as always, the entry fee is free. The Samuel Adams Longshot American Homebrew Contest. This year's Longshot could be all yours. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. 
don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers! Three brewers, three different eras, all caught in the same fermento chronological vortex, traveling through time, righting brewing wrongs, and bringing beery wisdom to where and whenever it may be needed. Journey now with Dr. Jean de Clerc. Greetings, listeners! 20th century Belgian super brewing scientist. Please, please, the yeast and the enzymes do the hard work. I am merely a facilitator. Icebach. What, what? 21st century Norwegian American homebrewer rapper from St. Paul. Listen, listen, I bust attenuation maximums and my Yakima magnums make my lager so smooth it's like a laxative. My spit got that static power after I mash for an hour. I got naked ladies in my brew room all covered in hot flowers. I swing a propagation flask like a five-liter dick. Get your nasty mid-drinking group on us back to 1026, boo! And Brother Abelard. Off that were witch. Be gone! 12th century English monk and perpetuator of brewing superstition. My holy rod of divine bubbling shall maketh any ale to froth by the grace of heaven. And a modicum of bog myrtle hurts not either. Brought to you by Northern Brewer, your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, and equipment with $7.99 flat rate shipping. Tune in next time for more Time Brewers! Fuel, what's your fuel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby! <laughs> The Brewing Network. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. See how much more energy I have once I have beer? It's completely. My wife was telling me, she's beer. like, well, you know, people with ADD, well, <laughs> the. Uh, you know, the effect of caffeine doesn't really work on them. And, uh, you know, one of the signs of ADD is like when you have caffeine and it like puts you to sleep. Right. And uh, that's essentially what happens to me. I, I drank one of these monster energy things for, for the first two shows and I was like nodding off. Justin turned on the AC. He's like, wake up, wake, wake the fuck up. He's <laughs> yeah. like slapping me around. He's like, come on, come on. <laughs> Put a beer in me and I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Nature's so energy drink. Right. Well, you know, I listened. I listened back to uh, you know the previous shows. I'm thinking, oh, I sound trashed. I'm falling asleep. No, I, I can't be drinking any beer. I need to like an energy drink. Mm, right. Not. Nah, doesn't work for me. Yeah, I well, need beer. Good effort, Jamil. It was a nice experiment. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. But yeah. the reality is, I need beer to do these shows. <laughs> it's that's how this body's tuned. <laughs> it's a finely tuned a machine. Finely tuned machine that runs yeah. on beer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a reason why I'm here, and it's the beer. All right, uh, next question. 
Okay, Steve wrote in this week. And by the way, when we do these Q&A shows, you can write to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com or feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com, whichever you remember. They both get to us here. We're getting and, a live chat and, you know, listen live yeah. and, you know. And do it that way. we yeah. got a lot coming in today for that, too. Okay, uh, Steve wrote in this week, um, two-part question about hydrometers. Why does it seem my measurements swing uh, more than expected due to the brewing process? In other words, I take a sample pre-boil to determine when my 90 minutes start for hop additions, etc. And I'm low. So mm-hmm. I boil down or add some DME. Yeah. Then I finish and my OG is high, mm-hmm. like a point and a half Play-Doh. So I add water. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's wondering why he's not able to, to dial it in there. And mm. is, it a, is it a measurement problem or is it a process problem? I'd say it's an evaporation rate process problem. Okay. Yeah. How about you, John? That's probably it. Um, yeah, um, if he's if he's uh, a couple points low at the beginning, then uh, may want to look at um, sparge rates. Sparge rate, yeah. You know, it may, what that's saying, what, yeah, what that's saying is that his efficiency is less than he's anticipating. Mm. So it could be sparge rate. It could be uh, could be crush. Mm-hmm. Um, and he should dial in that part of his process. Yeah, yeah. Or Figure out. or adjust his predicted uh, efficiency. Yeah, and then you know, so if he's got, um, yeah, so he's coming a little low. He's adding some DME, and then mm-hmm. he comes out a little high at the end. And it sounds like he's got a. Don't add the DME. Uh, yeah, don't <laughs> add the DME. just boil like you're normally doing. You'll end up right exactly where you should be. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't affect, you know, his bittering additions, for example, because they're going to be in there longer? Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. You know, but sugar a couple of points aren't, aren't going to swing it that much. Okay. Right. All right. Right. Yeah. Sugar concentration affects utilization, but uh, it's not that big a deal. Okay. And, you know, if, if you're doing something really delicate that has a low hopping, um, you know, or mid hopping, maybe that's that's a you know, if you're really trying to dial something in, like we do on the Clone Brew Show, yeah, where you're, I mean, you have to be dead on, or you know, it's not cloned, um, then it matters. But if you're brewing a pale ale IPA and you have a difference of two, three, four IBUs, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Who cares? I mean, you're you're gonna be like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I was shooting for. Okay, so I wouldn't worry about that, but. You know, there's various parts of the of the puzzle. One is the efficiency of the mash and what you're getting out of there. Now, if you want to have a little higher, maybe you add a little more grain and you're right at that that number. Um, but uh, the other number that comes in is your boil rate and you know what kind of evaporation rate you're getting over the course of of your boil. And, you know, that may be higher than he's dialed in for or that, you know, his brewing software is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. mash may be, you know, he's not getting the efficiency that his brewing software is saying. He's not getting the boil rate that he's getting a higher boil rate than his uh, or evaporation rate than his software is saying. And then, you know, those two things are kind of counter to each other. So you dial in each portion and you keep in mind, another thing we've learned off of the uh, Canyon Brewit shows is, you can be 10 points off on your original gravity. You can still have a beer that seems identical hmm. to another beer just because of how fermentation proceeds and things like that. Right. So it's not that big a deal. You know, you don't have to be exactly on the money unless you're a commercial brewer 
and trying to do something identical, um, if you're within a few points, it's it's not the end of the world. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. And then just quickly, his second part of the question is. Um, uh, what depth do I take my samples, uh, both from the kettle and the fermenter? Um, you know, is there a difference between the gravity at the top or the middle? Uh, uh, there shouldn't be if you're stirring enough. It should be homogenous. Or okay. if it's but, boiling. If you're getting a roiling boil, yeah, it's mixed. Okay. And the same with your, with your fermenter, right? Because that's been thoroughly right. mixed by the yeast. So there's, right. no, there's no difference there. The only thing I'd say is... Um, you know, those folks dealing with extract and doing partial boils, you're doing a high-gravity beer and you, you know, you lay in a big, thick, syrupy dose of extract into your fermenter and then you add water on top. If you haven't mixed it thoroughly, um, that's when, you know, you're all messed up. I mean, that sugar is so hard to mix back up throughout the liquid without really... You know, inverting it and shaking the daylights out of it, 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 it tends to layer down there pretty bad. Okay. All right. So that was from Steve. Thanks for writing in, Steve. Tom wrote in this week. Uh, love the show, especially the package Gasm Ganza. Um, <sighs> Thank you. He says, uh, my question is uh, a little bit about that. Um, he's wondering, he says you can't find much info in the forum about using carbonated water to make some of my beers lighter and lower in alcohol without losing too much flavor or ruining the beer. He says he heard Tasty talk about it a bit during mm-hmm. his uh, uh, when he did a Dortmunder for a golf tournament. All right. So, um, what, I've never even heard of this. I don't remember Tasty talking about that. What All is right. the deal with using carbonated water in beer? Well, I mean, you don't. It doesn't have to be carbonated. I mean, you could add just uh, water to your beer and then carbonate the whole thing. I see. You know, in a keg, that's that's fine. Um, the the thing is, you know, think about it like soda. They they provide a syrup. You blend it with carbonated water, and you got soda, right? Yeah. Um, the syrup is much thicker and concentrated in flavor, and then when you dissolve it out, ah, it's you know, it's the right mix. Uh, you know, same thing happens on beer when they do, uh, you know, commercial brewing. They're trying to make the most, you know, the most expensive part of the brewing is all this, uh, you know, the the footprint of the brewery and, you know, energy spent and equipment and stainless steel and all that. So they brew a concentrated beer and then they thin it out with water okay. and to make the, the resulting beer. The thing you need to watch out for is, all right, you need to brew a beer with more flavor Overall, the flavor that you're going to need for the the final volume that you get, right, or the thinner beer that you get, and you need to uh, be aware that when you ferment uh, a a higher gravity beer, you're going to get more, generally, you're going to get more fermentation flavors, you're going to get, uh, you know, more esters and fusels and things like that. Which is fine, you know. Those get thinned out as well, and maybe it maybe it matches what you're shooting for, but it's going to be a different set of compounds and you get probably just brewing it at the gravity to make whatever beer it would be okay so if you're adding this you just need to be careful that you know everything if the beer is perfect as it is but too much alcohol when you add water to it it's going to thin out all the flavors you know bittering sweetness malt character hop character everything's going to get thinned out so, you know, if that's what you want, that you know, you just add water, uh, whatever percentage you want, and carbonate it or add carbonated water. Uh, either way is fine. doesn't make a difference. You can add distilled water. 
You can add RO water. You can add whatever your tap water is. I'd be careful with tap water because a lot of tap waters have, you know, I would dechlorinate it first. I mean, the t- tap water I'm at now, the chlorine reek is horrendous. Oh. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you at least carbon filter it. If it's real minerally, you know, you may want to avoid that. It, it depends on, on the beer and, and the water that you're using. Could you just go buy Calistoga carbonated, you know, uh, I'd avoid water Calistoga because that is uh, like a spring water. Okay. I would use something that is like, a, you know, an Aquafina that or, you know, something like that that's made from RO with minerals added back or just a distilled water. Okay. And then uh, use that. Uh, those spring waters tend to be real minerally. Okay. And if that's, you know, if it, it, let's say you brewed, uh, you know, Dortmunder and it had no mineral content <laughs> And you want a little bit of mineral content, maybe you'd add spring water, and that and that would be a way to kind of tweak it. Um, you know, it just uh, you know, just need to be you know do it by taste. I would set up a, a, a small sample and try that first before you before you commit to it. But again, generally, if you want to um, you know do this, you're going to brew a you know more flavor concentrated beer and. and dilute it down now uh tasty was doing this with uh he was doing this with uh like uh dortmunder you know dortmunder he also did it with i thought a like a pliny and he made it like a pliny light oh. uh, by he had a water to it and made uh, to a pliny clone and yeah. made the pliny light and then really liked it and then uh started brewing a, a similar batch along those lines okay so there's there's a lot of things you can do i, I would just be real careful um, and I could know, do it do like it. day that I day that I wanted it. In other words, it sounded right. like Tasty did it for a golf game. If my Dortmunder keg is halfway empty, I could add, I could lighten it up just by throwing some carbonated water in. Right. And right. now I've got a lighter beer. As long as you realize all the flavors that are in there are going to lighten up. Yeah. Um, you know that that can be a good thing. You know, especially uh, I imagine you could take a barley one and thin it out. To, hmm. But again, you know, if if you take a barley wine. <laughs> And you thin it out with water. The flavor is going to be different than if you took those same grains yeah. and uh, brewed the whole thing and fermented out a larger batch. Okay, so it's not going to be exactly the same. Oh. Anything to add, John? To, to uh, that? Sorry, yeah, I was rambling. It's going to change the balance. It's going to change the hop, hop and malt balance. And it's uh, yeah, but I, I think I, in general, it's, it sounds like the, you know if you want to take a uh, a Dortmunder and turn it into a lawnmower beer or. Uh, you know, a strong pale ale and uh, make it into a light pale ale. Yeah, you can do that with with water. Just add it to the keg and uh, carbonate. And I would I would also recommend uh, distilled water or uh, you know something that's been uh, filtered. You know, to minimize the mineral impact unless that's needed, as you said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and and beers, you know, ninety whatever percent water. So mm-hmm. adding more water is not a problem. Okay. Jidas in the chat room today has a question. He has an interesting question for you guys. Uh, He says, I'm a fermentation science major at Oregon State University, and I'm having a disagreement with a professor that I would like to resolve. So he's come to you guys. Um, He told me that ester production during fermentation rises with cold temperatures, and the way to have less esters is a warmer fermentation temp. Mm -hmm. This seems backwards to anything I've heard before. Am I right? Ah, you know, the, the <laughs> fermentation professors we deal with is like Charlie Bamforth, and uh, that guy's always right. 
That's right. I would never, I would never disagree with the professor I deal with. Now, the 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 thing is, um, your professor's right in that. Uh, you know, it, well, esters well, are produced by yeast stress. Right. So, if well, you stress the yeast cold, you can get a lot of esters. If you stress right. the yeast hot by excessive growth, you will also right. get a lot of esters. So, kind of uh, think of the bell curve. Which end of the bell curve are you right. playing in? Well, and you know, yeast growth uh, ties up the production of a lot of the compounds that become esters later on. So actually, the more yeast grow, the less esters they're going to produce. Hmm. However, the more yeast grow, the more fusel alcohols they produce, which are used in ester production. So it's fusel alcohols and acids, these organic acids that form these esters. So, you know, if you go too cold and you don't get any growth, you're going to actually, or you get minimal growth, you're going to produce more esters. If you go too warm, you're going to produce more esters. Like John's saying, um, there's a sweet spot, but, um, you know, generally, ester production is reduced by higher growth. Okay. And fusacos are increased, and the opposite is true. All right. He does have a follow-up question. Apparently, Jesus is arguing with everybody. He's also having a disagreement with a student. A true <laughs> brewing network <laughs> yeah. listener. Yeah. Uh, he's having a disagreement with a student about the diastatic power of wheat malt. According to Palmer's book, wheat malt and barley have the same diastatic power. The student says to brew a 100% wheat beer, you have to add enzymes to the mash because the diastatic power of wheat is lower than barley. Is this true? Not according to the numbers. Uh, yeah, if you look at the malt analysis sheet of, uh, of a wheat malt versus a barley malt, they're about the same. It's like 100, 120, 140 degrees Lintner. Um, so the, the, it's not like a Munich malt where you've got 40 degrees Lintner diastatic power. Um, so, yeah, wheat, wheat malt should be fully self-converting. You shouldn't need to add enzymes. Well, and I, I suppose it, it depends on, you know, what wheat, wheat malt you have. Some will be higher, some will be lower. But on average, it should self-convert. Uh, I think Moylan's uh, does their, their wheat wine, uh, which is fantastic. And uh, that's 100% wheat malt. I don't think they use enzymes on that. Um, you know, it may, you know uh, as long as the diastatic power is the same, it should it should convert, like uh, John's saying. So, uh, I've done 100% wheat, and uh, I got it to convert. Uh, I imagine it converted fully, and uh, yeah, I never tested, but I uh, I just left a little longer, just kind of you know. But I probably didn't need to, you know, uh, if the diastatic power is the same and uh, it converts. Okay. Yeah. Even 100% Munich converts. I've done plenty of 100% Munich uh, beers, which is uh, oh yeah. If you're doing a um, a, uh, a Munich Dunkel, you want to use 100% Munich. Well, you use a splash of Carafa Special, but it's all Munich malt, and that converts no problem whatsoever. And that's a much lower diastatic power. So, uh, you know, if it's if it's higher than that, I guarantee you the wheat will convert. Okay. Yeah, I think the only the only caveat. To what I, my statement was that I don't know that the pro, 
proportion of an, of enzymes in wheat malt is the same as in barley malt. Mm-hmm. So uh, it could be, you know, it could be a different proportion of alpha to beta amylase, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. could result in a little different fermentation character. But yeah, I've, I've the conversion of starches is the diastatic power, right? So it'll right it'll right. convert. Whatever yeah, the I mean, fermentability you, is is like a whole different thing. Yeah. I mean, you read, uh, you read, you know, Kuhn's or, you know, German brewing text where they're making, you know, wheat beers. They're not, you, there's no mention of added enzymes, mm-hmm. you know, or, uh, or different brewing practices between, you know, uh, wheat, uh, Weissen beer versus, you know, Pilsner beer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 100% malt and off you go. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I think the student's wrong in that case. Okay. So, professor right, student wrong. <laughs> good. It's also the safer way to go for, for a good grade. <laughs> for your grade, right. All right, Watkins is in the chat room today, and he's got a question for Jamil. Uh, he says, I've got a three-liter starter going right now, but I've moved my brew day to today instead of tomorrow, so I don't have time to chill and decant my starter. Mm-hmm. Do you think that a three-liter starter is too much to add to a five-gallon batch? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how you made the starter. You know, the way I make my starter work is uh, I take DME and I measure it out. I add some water and some some uh, servomyces, and then I put in a pressure cooker, and it cooks the hell out of it and makes it real caramelized and, hmm. you know, not not great stuff. And I don't want to add uh, more than 5% of that to my beer. Um, you know, if you're kind of making your starter wort similar to, you know, your, you know, way you make wort for your beer and you um, uh, don't uh, oxidize the daylights out of it with, like, aeration or stir plate, mm-hmm. then eh, I think you get away with it. Okay. Um, what style of beer is he making? Yeah, he didn't That's say. A question too. He did have a follow up. He he wants to know: Would it be better um, to then keep the wort at lager temps and pitch tomorrow morning instead, so that he could chill and decant his starter? Yeah, it depends. If if, that if he's if he's sure that his sanitation is perfect, then that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. If it's questionable, then I'd just go ahead and toss it all in. I guess then, well, then yeah. it doesn't matter what what you do. He um, says his starter was made with a pressure cooker too. Mm. I would put it in the freezer and try and knock the try to do it. See, the, the whole problem though with that is you don't want to drop the temperature of your yeast too dramatically. What happens when you uh, radically lower or raise the temperature of your yeast is that um, you uh, they start expressing these heat shock proteins. Mm. Okay, either cooling or raising, and um, it really affects the the yeast and the performance of the yeast going forward. Um, and it takes a lot of energy out of the yeast to do that. So, um, see, I don't do it at all because I feel like I've got this yeast starter going and my yeast alive right. and well. Right. I just turn off the stir plate several hours before. Yeah. And decant off as much as I, I don't decant all of it like right, you guys right. do. I just I try to get like half of it gone because right. I'm nervous about chilling it at sure, all. Sure. You know. Well, and if uh, you know, if if you've waited long enough so all the fermentation's done and it's just the stir plate keeping things in suspension then right. yeah. 
if it's only been going a short period of time. How long has the startup been going, does he say? He doesn't say. He does say he's making a light pale ale, so he keeps stacking right. up the odds against him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'd, I'd stick it in the refrigerator and wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, hopefully... If he's if he's making a starter and doing all this, he's pr- his sanitation is probably pretty good. Uh, yeah, you know, cap uh, cap it. I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't have done a, a Justin what Justin's su- suggesting here uh, of just you know let it settle out as, as much as it will. Decant that portion off. Yeah, if you can get down to you know. Uh, a liter or so, then you know, or you know, a liter and a half, maybe it's okay. Um, so it's been going for twenty four hours, and that's about how mine was right, when I that, did it. The, really, all the growth has already occurred. Okay, uh, twenty four hours. Just take it off that stir plate. Yeah, yeah, it's done at that point. Uh, you never get growth past like thirty six hours, or so unless you you really just pitch a tiny little bit of yeast into a big thing of wort. Okay. Even then, yeah, it's it's pretty much done at that point. Um, hmm. God, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would do what you're doing. He's brewing right now. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, turn off the stir plate. He says he's going to pull adjusted now. This is a terrible advice. <laughs> no, turn it. Well, based on this last beer, I'm I'm, I'm much more enthusiastic. Well, and you because you made the there is that difference between is the starter still going on its right, own, right. or is it sitting at the bottom and just a stir plate? Stir, stir and in my case, the stir bar was doing all the work. Right, right. And you shut it off, and everything starts to settle out. Yeah, yeah I'd shut it off, put it in the fridge, and uh, you know, at the end of your brew day, see how much has settled out, and you can decant off. Uh, you know, the top portion and then pitch the rest. Um, you know, generally when I'm making starters, what I do, you know, there's there's starters for growing yeast and starters for kind of making everything healthy and active. If I'm looking for growth, then I, you know, put it in the fridge, I chill it, and I just get the yeast. And then the day of, I love to put that yeast back into a little bit of wort, just like a pint, and get it active the, the day of a few hours before I pitch, and then toss the whole thing in. Okay. And you get the best of both worlds, I think. All right, good. Uh, Thunder Chicken is in the chat room. He's got a sparge question. TC. Says, we're always told uh, to sparge at a certain temperature. I've been noticing that with 180 degrees Fahrenheit sparge water, that my mash temperature only raises to the lower lower 160s. What temp should the mash be when running off? Uh, Any temperature you want. Right, John? Yeah, somewhere up there. I mean, that's 160 is fine. I mean, um, doesn't have to be anything. Yeah, it can be anything you want. Yeah. Um, I, what I do is I, you know, I, I'll ramp up the temp. I'll recirculate you know, through the herms and and raise the temperature up to uh, 168, and then you know you sparge with 170 something water. And the only reason is to you know to stop enzymatic reaction and then uh, you know to thin out the sugar so it runs off easier. But you don't even have to do that. You just run into the kettle. You know, fire up the kettle if you want to stop enzymatic reactions and or action, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, they they we we talk about not not exceeding like um, mash temperature one seventy to reduce tannin extraction, and so on. But um, or you know, don't don't add boiling water. You know, don't use boiling water as your sparge. Keep it down to like one eighty or less. Um, pH, but uh, yeah, something like that. Okay. <laughs> no, go ahead. Something like that. <laughs> hey, you know, it's you're there's um, 
there's no there's no magic temperature for runoff mm-hmm. is what I'm it was what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, warm it up. You know, you get a little little easier. Uh, you know, a little better fluidity of the sugars. Mm-hmm. But um, and you you know you, by mashing out like that you you know you set your fermentability. But um, I wouldn't worry about that. You're only getting up to about 160 uh, with your mash temperature. That's fine. Okay. Well, and TC, you better make it out to uh, Minneapolis and uh, join up with us there. Have some beers. Have some BNA5. Yeah. All right. Let's take a short break, uh, and when we come back, we'll do more questions. Back after this. Your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedashev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard. And polish your style accuracy with DeVille. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. This month, More Beer wants to introduce you to Ryan Bartow, head of customer service at More Beer. Working at More Beer means a lot to me. There's nothing better than being there where, where everything comes right in. It's a pretty fun job. Here are Ryan's top five More Beer innovations he can't brew without. Yeast starters. I like to use a 5,000 milliliter flask. Uh, of course, you can't do anything without star sand. Pro mash combined with a, a refractometer are always there on brew day. And then, of course, the inline thermometer. It's a new product we're releasing this month. All of Ryan's favorites are on sale this month only. Check out Ryan's picks right now at morebeer.com. 
Boy, my wish for the people that trust me is, is just that they make great beer as a result. Uh, I'd love to see everybody making a good beer that finishes out. Fermentation is what it really all comes down to. Hurry to morebeer.com for the best innovations and people in homebrewing. Morebeer.com. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right. We're doing a live Q&A show and... uh, yeah, Justin and I are talking, and, and, and maybe what we need is a Q&A uh, Ganza, you know? Where there's, Q&A Ganza. Yeah. There's a lot of questions, and uh, yeah. you know, we'll try and get to as many as we can. And uh, if you got three questions, we'll hit maybe one of them, and then, you know, because we're trying to get everybody in, and we really appreciate all, all the questions. It's just wonderful of people to do this. But... Uh, uh, you know, there's only so many we can do in a show. So maybe what we need to do is set up a like a series of three Q and A shows or something, mm-hmm. so everybody can get their questions because we want to answer them all. And I'd I'd much I'd much rather answer questions on the show than in individual emails. Yeah, because right. we do it on the show. You know, if if you've got the question, it's not a stupid question. It's a question that I guarantee a thousand other homebrewers have. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, it's great to do them on the show. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Okay, Bike Foolery is in the chat, and he says, So many brewers just cover the carboy with foil for fermentation. When should I remove the foil to uh, move the foil and exchange it with an airlock? Um, toward the end, middle. And is it okay to just put foil over the carboy, too, uh, for fermentation? Yeah, you know, foil's fine. I think, you know, uh, probably allows a little more O2 through than the airlock, but mm-hmm. not a whole lot. Okay. Um, you know, fermentation should be active to the end. If you have a long kind of slowly blipping and blurping fermentation that's going months, then you've got other problems. And then foil would be a problem. But if you've got active fermentation up to the end and then it finishes and then you give it a day or two, that's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even screw with the fo- removing the foil. Yeah. I mean, I, I was... I'm kind of thinking you meant like a loose foil cover at the beginning of fermentation mm-hmm. just to provide, you know, bacterial contamination prevention, mm-hmm. um, but allow, you know, uh, diffusion of oxygen into the headspace to, you know, help the yeast. Yeah. Um, kind of an open fermentation situation. Well, loose uh, or tight, it's, I think oxygen is going to be the same. I mean, yeah. I, unless you're well, putting you like have, a rubber band or something around yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you take, you know, saran wrap or, or aluminum foil with mm-hmm. a rubber band around it on the top of the carboy, that's right. that's as sealed as an airlock would be. Right. Some of those plastic wraps are, uh, uh, you know, impervious to to uh, O2, and uh, they, they, you know, they have a surface on them that actually adheres to the, the glass surface, a smooth surface, mm-hmm. and provides a seal. And so, you know, the the thing about foil is no matter how tight you press that foil down, uh, you're never going to get it. It doesn't adhere to the to the surface. So the oxygen just goes right through, right, right around that. So that's, you know, but, you know, as long as you see active fermentation, I really wouldn't worry about it. If you want to let something set for a while, then, yeah, you can go ahead and swap it out for an airlock once you see active fermentation stop. But Okay. All right, I think it was BC Maui who in the chat room who asked, um, 
I'm getting a lot of hop material over to the fermenter. Is it better to use pellet hops in a bag or filter out this material in some other way? Um, pellet hops in a bag will reduce the amount of carryover. Uh, mixing your hops, both whole leaf and pellet, will do more because the the whole leaf help filter it out there as you're as you're uh, draining your kettle. Oh, that's a good point. Um, What's the uh, Blickman uh, hop, uh, hop hop rocker? What is it? Hop rocket. The hop, hop stopper rocket. is another fine product. Yeah, uh, that's made by somebody right, else. So hop 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 rocket. It's a cool little. Uh, Device where uh, you know the the uh, the the uh, I, on the on the Blickman they got a, like a dip tube that comes out of the valve hmm. and goes down right to to suck up the the everything out of the kettle and the this hop screen device this hop rocket it, it, the dip tube goes inside there and it's actually got different gradations of holes in it and a sleeve that goes up and down. Hmm. And, um, you know, uh, John Blickman was saying that, you know, he was doing like a Pliny, the elder type of cologne with pounds of pellet hops and 95% of it didn't get through. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you can, uh, use this to filter out, uh, you know, a a ton of hops. What I do for my brewing uh, so far, I'm got, I've got one of these hop rocks. I haven't had a chance to set it up yet. I'm waiting to set up my my Blickman top tier system. Um, uh, what I've been doing in the past is uh, the whirlpool chiller thing, where uh, the pellet hops just go right through the pump, and then it gets whirlpool and it all falls in the center, mm. and that seems to work fairly well. I get clear beer, the clear wort out of the the kettle even that is there some disadvantage to using hot bags if you if you make the hot bags large enough so the hops are very loose inside Mm -hmm. there i don't think there's a real disadvantage to it if you're get it to where the they swell up with the liquid and they're tight in the bag at all Mm -hmm. then you're using you're losing utilization and uh other aspects like that. So okay, John. Yeah, uh, that's that's the disadvantage to uh, a hot bag is if if it's they're too tightly packed, then you won't get any diffusion of the of the uh, alpha out. Um, yeah, I use. I wonder, I've I've always used either a hop stopper. Um, I, unfortunately, I think it's I forget the name of the company, but uh, you know, which is a large stainless steel mesh screen. That goes down the bottom of the kettle. Yeah. Or um, I've also used uh, just copper pipe with holes drilled in it, kind of like a little manifold. Um, that works real well. Um, but it, I think in any for any boiling situation with the hops in the kettle, you got to whirlpool at first. Get get the wort moving. Get the, get most of the debris to come to the center, and um, then your your Whatever hop straining device you're using, whether it's a little manifold or or uh, whatever, will uh, work better, and you'll you'll keep the majority of your hop material out of the out of the uh, kettle, out of the fermenter. Well, and and, and let's look at uh, kind of the reason why you want to 
avoid this. You know, I, I think you get a little bit of hot material over into your fermenter, not a big deal. Even if it mixes in with the yeast, um, mm. you can go ahead and, and rinse that yeast later on and get that hot material out of there if you want to repitch that yeast. If it's a huge amount, then maybe you can get some vegetal character from right. from a, a large, excessive amount of, uh, you know, hop leaf matter. Uh, but otherwise, you know, not not that big a deal. If you're getting the bulk of it out of there, then I think you're fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see. Another question came in through the email. Uh, this listener says, I'm planning on doing a party guile brew to make an American wheat, followed up by a Berliner Weitz. Uh, and I've got a question about the actual mashing process. So using a 10-gallon igloo, would I do a typical mash and then add hot liquor at the end of the mash so as to run off seven gallons or do a straight seven-gallon mash? How many gallons of each is he doing? Looks like six, seven and six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, then you wouldn't do... um, All right. So, yeah, your party guile... um, I'm not sure I understand the question 100. percent You you do them as two separate uh, runoffs and two separate mashes. Oh, it is. So maybe that's what you're confused. It's two separate mashes entirely. Well, it's it's the same mash, but you're going to add liquid back to it again. Okay. Yeah. Um, versus the, se- the second runnings is going to make the Berliner Weiss, and uh, the right. first runnings is going to make the right. American. But uh, you know, so I'm not sure if I understand the question. Would you add like all 13 gallons of liquid? And then, you know, get it all uniform and then run off part and then run off part. No, you'd you'd do your regular wheat beer, uh, run that off as normal, and then you've got, like, spent grain sitting in your mash and You add water back to that. Mm-hmm. You recirculate it and do whatever you need to to kind of get it all uniform again. And then you run that off into your second beer. Yeah. Okay. And I think, I think for the two styles he's doing if he's doing um you know how much i don't know i don't know how big his grain bill is but if he, if his first runnings are going to be like you know 1075 1080 um, add water. i think that's yeah, what he's he getting at. should he add that's what it sounds like his question is since he's going to have a thick 10 ga- a uh, thick yeah. mash in a 10 gallon igloo does he add water at does he add liquor at the end yeah add water what to he, the kettle to the cattle. Yeah. 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 And it's what- going to thin down thin down the first runnings to make the American wheat. Got it. And then sparge and probably get something more like 10, 10, 30, you know, for the second runnings, which could be used as is for the Berliner Weiss. Right, which is perfect for the Berliner. Okay. And then his question is, what temperature should that water be that he, add back, that he adds back? Does that add, matter? Well, you add it to the kettle. So it could That's be it. anything. Okay. Because you're, you're going to heat it up in the kettle. Okay. So you add it to the kettle, not to the... You thin out what's in the kettle to reach whatever your target gravity is. It should be higher than what you really need. You know, the the only thing is, is it just depends on... You know, if, if you're not getting enough sugars out into there, if you don't have enough volume when you do the first runnings into the kettle, then you just go ahead and sparge like normal. You know, you can you can batch or fly sparge or whatever to the grains in the mash and get more volume and to, to where you end up with the right sugars. But if you end up with, um, you know, close to the volume and the, you know, the gravity's high, just add water to the kettle at any point you can add water to the kettle. Okay. To, uh, you know, get you to the volume and dilution that you need. Yeah. But the only time you can't is 
if what's in the kettle isn't enough sugar to support the volume that you need. And you can calculate that out. It's really easy. You know, you, you know your points of gravity versus your, your gallons of volume or liters of volume. And then, you know, oh, if you want to increase the, the volume, uh, you know, what gravity are you going to be at? Simple math. Okay. And then, uh, you know, if you don't have enough sugar, then, you know, uh, you need to sparge more. Okay. All right. Next question. Uh, all right. Thirsty Dragon wants to know your thoughts now about uh, better bottles now that you've had a chance to use them for a while, mm. Jay-Z. Hmm. You know, uh, it really hasn't changed any since, uh, you know, I described it previously. Um, that's what I'm using now is the better bottles. The uh, carboys is what you mean, right? Yeah, they're like plastic carboys. Yeah. You're not using the better bottle. Um, don't they have 12-ounce plastic bottles too? Or is it just carboys to no, them? No, I don't know. Just carboys. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm just using those. Uh, they're lighter weight. I'm old and fat and uh, ugly and stupid. <laughs> all right, I'll, th- I'll throw them all out there. Right. <laughs> and I'm wrong. Uh, you know what I realized? I'm, I'm pretty much, I, I figure I'm wrong about 50% of the time. And I'm that, right about 50% of the time. Is that right? And, and the one thing I desire in life is to be, you know, towards the side of being right more often than I'm wrong. Right. So if I can do like a 51% right and a 49% wrong, well, I think I'm a, I'm a winner. <laughs> yeah. You're really you just, shooting high there. Ch- right. That means you just got to change the people you hang out with, Jamil. <laughs> That's right. right. Can't be messing with you, Palmer, anymore. You know, people who are right are just going to mess me up. You, you're, you're dragging down my percentage. Yeah. That's the problem. Uh, so uh, I, I think the, the real key is just, you know, Stop being near your wife when you're trying to make a statement. And I'm always wrong. That's the problem. Yep. Now, my wife is, is lovely and, and lets me do all sorts of stupid things. <laughs> uh, so, um, no, I, I, I like the uh, lightweight of the, the better bottles. Um, I, I, I've just gone ahead and I, I put my carboys up on a high shelf somewhere where my fat old ass can't get to them. Got it. And I'm using the better bottles. They're lighter weight. Um, yeah, it's, you know, the things that kill me about it is, you know, the volume is not big enough. The, the guy who did this, I don't know, you know, why he didn't do it, you know, large enough. They should have made him seven gallon. Would have been perfect. Okay. But, you know, yeah, I'm using like, uh, you know, anti-foam and I'm, you know, little smaller batches. And, you know, the advantages are outweigh, you know. Uh, doing a slightly smaller batch, and then I can't flame them and, you know, things like that. But, you know, they're just much easier, and I like them. So I'm just I'm just using better bottles now. Okay. And, and everybody will have their own preference. but uh, And, you know, I've never had any dangerous encounters with carboys like other people have. But they're heavier, and they're just, I don't know. Yeah, they're definitely risky. I, I've... Was you know cleaning a, cleaning them just a couple of weeks ago and you know a couple of times I went, they went clink and it's like oh shit almost broke but if um, I was starting out I'd I'd tell people to you know just do better bottles oh, okay yeah oh that's good uh, good advice then yeah okay I've only got a couple more so let's do a break and then we come back and get them all right one more break yeah and then we'll be back with uh, the rest of your questions after this.
smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong. Cutting-edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hey, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. 
White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. This is... Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Google Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. You know, I did have a nut thing going on a while back. and uh, I survived that. You're all right now? I'm all right now. The nuts seem normal. These things aren't all tied up anymore? No, no. And, uh, you know... It was a nut allergy or... <laughs> I do. The funny thing is, I do have a nut allergy. <laughs> do you? I do. I'm a little allergic to nuts. <laughs> uh, I think that just means you're straight. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. A uh, long time ago, uh, I was vi- visiting the Hickory Apaches, and uh, I had a whole bunch of pinion nuts, and I got this allergic reaction to it. And ever since then, I, I couldn't eat certain types of nuts. So the only nuts I can I can suck on now are like you know <laughs> sunflower seeds and see they're like seeds they're not nuts right. certain nuts I I can't but I still love nuts yeah I just you know <laughs> I gotta I gotta go the other way oh man I can't I, I gotta you know I get the scratchy throat my throat swells up oh it's really horrible so you have to uh, um, a lot of foods say this food was packaged on the same machinery that nuts nah. were processed on you don't have to worry about I, that I really got to suck on some nuts to, to have it happen <laughs> that direct contact right 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 yeah I got to put the nuts in my mouth and chew on them to, <laughs> right. before it, it it really screws me up okay but yeah yeah, yeah you know and if, if you want to meet me in my nut thing then, yeah uh, yeah come on out uh, <laughs> I, I post it in the brewing network uh, dot com in the forums there in the events uh, section Got this whole trip planned. 2,500 miles, 15 breweries, lots of opportunities to uh, get drunk together. Me and Peter Simons, we're going to go out and uh, yeah. see. And I, you know, one of the things I, I think I mentioned this to you earlier is if I was to take anybody on this trip with me, I've got to be British. Right. You know, stiff upper lip and all that sort of thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. No whinging. Right. You know, because I know it's going to be. Well, as great as it sounds, there's going to be some horrible event that's going to happen. It's going to involve the toilet. Right. It's going to involve, like, you know, explosions, you know, failures of my 14-year-old RV. Right. God knows what's going to happen. Hopefully you know, not dismemberment. Dismemberment. I, I'm gonna, we're going to have to prostitute one or the other of us. For gas money. <laughs> for gas money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, something's going to happen. Right. So if I'm going to take anybody, I'm going to take somebody who's British. Right. Stiff upper lip, you know. Yeah. March on, no whinging. 
Well, and I hear you might be picking up our friend Bad Rock in uh, Colorado, too. Right, right. I don't know if he, you know, he hasn't uh, responded back. He said he'd try and get off of work and I think that's and what he's waiting us. on. But he's a, he's a big dude who can take care of business. Exactly, so. exactly. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. if the, the things with the Johns goes wrong, uh, we'll send him out to, to, to straighten things out, collect the money. It's good. And if, uh, you know, and uh, also Andy Wood, you know, he's a teacher. So, you know what teachers do during the summer. <laughs> A lot of this. Jacking off. Yeah. If you're watching the video. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. Nothing to do. Uh, right, exactly. So he, he may actually come along. That would be cool. And he's got a sweet looking pretty mouth, you know. Well, we could, <laughs> we could, I think we could sell him off yeah. as need be and, you know, get out a lot of situations out of, out of Andy Wood. You got a pretty mouth, Andy. You got a pretty, pretty, pretty mouth. All right. Uh, next question for our uh, Q&A show. All right, last couple questions here. Um, this listener just used a, um, c- kind of covered it a little bit in the beginning, just used a March pump and the Jay-Z chiller setup. How long do you let things rest after turning off the pump and transferring um, to the fermenter? You know, 20, 30 minutes. I, I, I shut it off and then uh, I go inside and yeah, rub one out or do whatever that doesn't take 20 minutes make a sandwich so. <laughs> yeah minutes. that <laughs> might take make a sandwich that's 28 minutes red one out that's two minutes yeah. yeah and then uh i go back out there okay 20 to 30 all right here's an interesting one i love the new technology that's coming out everything seems to be mobile um so chad wrote in he says i've got an app on my ipod that claims to be able to tell me the og of a beer if i can measure the fg and bricks on the refractometer right is right, this right. true and are there limits well, so what you can do is, uh, and we use this for for clone brewing all the time for the Canyon Brew It Show, is if if you know the ABV, the alcohol content of a beer, ABV or ABW, alcohol by volume or weight, mm-hmm. and you know what the the finishing gravity of the beer is, which if you buy a commercial sample, you degas it, measure with your hydrometer, and that's your finishing gravity. If you know how much alcohol is in there and what your finishing gravity is you know for a certainty what the starting gravity was. Okay. So, absolutely. If, and I assume that's what he's asking. Yeah. You can also convert between specific gravity bricks and Play-Doh. You know, those applications work as well. But uh, Okay. But ABV or, you know, your alcohol and your, your finishing gravity tells you what your starting gravity was. It's a scientific fake, isn't it, Joe? Yep. Okay, that's all we have time for today, guys. But there will be another Q&A show and possibly a Q&A gasm. Gasm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Palooza. Right. Q&A Palooza? There you go. That or might work. Q&A. Q&A. Q&A stock? Q&A stock. Then we, have oh, to, yeah. then we have to get some hippie chicks in here. Yeah, topless. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's oh, Q&A stock coming up. <laughs> Done. <laughs> That's all it takes now. John Palmer will be coming up for that one. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, and then uh, next show, based off of uh, one of the questions we, we didn't get to this time, we're going to do a high-gravity brewing show. That's going to be ah, our next there's show. Ah, there's a good one. Right? That is a good so, one. So uh, we, we, we got a question in uh, on the live chat, and, you know, we, we, we just can't do it justice in... Uh, in this quick format here, I think that deserves a whole show. So that's a good idea. Good Comes job. up all the time. That's good. All right. So that's uh, that's a wrap on the Q&A show. Wrap on the package gasm. And, uh, you know, uh, another lovely day in the studios in Pacheco. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, make sure you hit our sponsor, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, check out uh, Brewery Own Magazine. There's the, the link there. 
there's also a link for the AHA. Huh? Sign up for the yeah. AHA. Get yourself a discount on the uh, conference. Uh, uh, get yourself Zymer G Magazine. It's all good stuff, and it goes to uh, support the home brewing hobby. Check out the uh, brew, Brewing Network store, thebrewingnetwork.com. Check out the store. It's good stuff. It's not, you know, the shirts are high quality. This is not cheap fabric like I make yeah. for Mr. Malty. <laughs> That's cheap-ass fabric. This <laughs> we is, got the goods. These are, these are quality shirts, and they sell them cheap. Cheap. I keep telling Justin, raise the freaking price of the shirts, <laughs> goddammit. I know. You're selling them too cheap. These are good, good quality stuff. And good the store's strong full up. We got uh, We have everything in right now. All right, so go now. Uh, I need to refresh my wardrobe before our, our RV trip. Yeah, yeah, we'll right. we'll set you up. All right, so uh, check that out. You won't be disappointed. Buy any of it. If you don't like it, uh, see me on the RV trip. I'll give you your money back, and I'll wear the shirt for God, God's sakes. All right, uh, that does it for uh, the Q and A show. And uh, coming up uh, next. If you're listening, is going to be uh, High Gravity Brewing. That's going to be a few weeks from now, but uh, uh, podcast will be the next show up. Until then, uh, make sure you uh, snap yourself off a, a nice fresh piece. And keep reaching for the stars. 